Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Kate Bowler is a religious historian and professor at the Duke Divinity School in Durham, North Carolina. Her newest book, No Cure for Being Human, follows the bestseller Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Known, which pokes at Kate's ironic, but you also can't make this shit up, life foibles. You see, for much of her career, Kate's work was focused on the prosperity gospel, the belief that if you were inherently good, If you worship the right way as a Christian and prayed the right kind of prayers, God would reward you with health, wealth, and happiness. And if for some reason you were struck by illness or tragedy, then you probably just weren't praying right. She was so committed to this idea that it was her first book. It was called Blessed, A History of the American Prosperity Gospel. The kicker? Not long after that book came out, Kate gets diagnosed with stage four colon cancer at the young age of 35. (laughs) And just a few days before my interview (laughs) that you'll hear, Kate got bit by a venomous copperhead snake just blocks from her home in North Carolina. Who does that? I told you, you cannot make this shit up. Kate was actually one of my favorite conversations of late. We laughed and we laugh cried as we smiled through our shared grief. And as you'll hear, Kate just felt like an old friend who'd greet me on one of those big wraparound southern porches with a cup of tea and some Ted Lasso biscuits. Oh, she's also Canadian, and I could have just said that at the beginning and stopped there because Canadians are genuinely awesome. It's Kate Bowler for No Time to Waste. Kate Bowler, you are here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, it feels so good to be just sitting here. I know obviously podcasts are a visual meeting, but I, I do still get to sit here looking at you. So yes. Um, and I get to look at you in this like incredibly faux fur, white, fluffy, wonderful chair that you're sitting on that uh, was the first thing that I mentioned. When, Thank you. Uh, I, I killed it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a sas or it was the abominable snowman. <laughs> it does look like I'm sitting in the middle of a Yeti, but I, it does. Uh, it does. Of all my, all my chronic pain stuff. I just like to be, you know, nested. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Um, well, first I like to tell guests that come on, you know, you know, just like I do how, that time is basically our most precious asset. Um, yes. And so I just want to thank you genuinely from like the bottom of my heart. Thank you for giving me your time today. I'm, um, I'm really glad to be here. It's yeah. good to be with you. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, I've had uh, this lady on my kind of target guest list for quite some time now. And I showed her um, my list that sits uh, right above my desk um, of kind of my version 2.0 after I sort of got to know the lay of the land and the podcast changed from 
um, people who are out there getting it. Right. Cause like that was where I started and I was like, yeah. Um, yeah. To yeah. really, you know, people who still have that spirit. Um, that's kind of a prereq, but I wanted the, the, the desire to have conversation. Um, the type of conversation have, has changed. And now what I want to talk about is, you know, grief and what mm. it looks like and how to talk about death and dying, mm -hmm. how to educate people on the resources um, that are available. And just as, you know, your first book was kind of about what happened to you. And I do want to talk about it ever so briefly, even though I know you've shared the story no, whatever you want to talk about. A I'm billion game. times. Um, but, you know, I want to also obviously talk about the new book, which to me um, seems to be about moving forward with life. How, to, how does one navigate yeah. this, which we'll talk about? Um, but now it, as we move out of, you move out of kind of crisis mode into chronic illness stage um how do you move forward with this right when you've had to be so precious with yes. the present moment and living yeah. moment to moment um yeah that's right precious is exactly the right word there's a carefulness to it but then sometimes like an overcare yeah. when you're like seriously you're like standing in oh man i was i'm just a usually trying to be some kind of benevolent presence and then just a spiraling ball of rage at the DMV when I'm like, right. this is how I spend my time. <laughs> this, these are my minutes. Yeah, exactly. This is me maximizing my moments in line at the Kroger. Like, yeah, I do. I, I really do have my, um, I have my quibbles about the be present uh, mindset for that reason, for lots of reasons. Partly yeah. it's just, you know, endless apparently love of what Marcus Aurelius once said or <laughs> neo-stoicism neo for all. You just can't find a man who previously had a business book that doesn't immediately then want to have a, a new book about present-mindedness he learned from a Roman emperor. Um, but, but I mean, part of the reason why we don't stay in the moment all the time is because, um, as we know, sometimes it's really painful to live here and we've got to skip into the past or into the future. Like getting a scan is a time, put, having a, someone put a needle in my arm is a time in which I will not be in the present because we're given, I mean, our brains are amazing. We're given the ability to live into our embodiment or just take a hot minute. Yeah. And um, so there's many times in which I joyfully am not present, not even a little. Not even <laughs> a little. So Kate, you are a religious historian. Yeah currently um teaching at the duke divinity school right uh -huh. and yeah. let's see let's see if i've done enough homework and enough research to have gotten your story right at the highest level okay this is a quiz and i'm excited okay. do i get to grade at the end you get to grade it at the end um great i'm gonna keep it very short i'm gonna try and keep it very short you back in 2015 um were 35 years old and you got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer yeah. by the way there are varying types of and that's like not a good one <laughs> yeah no i wouldn't yeah. recommend it yeah no. it was uh 
Yeah. And I mean, every person who begins to know kind of the intimacy of their own illness starts to know like how it goes. Yeah. And for colon, that's colon to stomach cavity to liver and then yep. and then liver to everywhere. And you just but go on. But you were able to get involved in some clinical trials and you were able to find something that stopped the uh, the slide mm-hmm. uh, the slide of of no control That's um, you know because it is it's it's like a uh, and you're just wondering yeah. like I can't stop myself can someone else stop me um, yeah yeah but you were able to find something that uh, that that worked. Um, to slow the growth because you or I and I are in situations where um, there is no cure today, right? Yeah. Um, and we're just trying to slow the roll, um, slow yeah. cancer's roll. So you wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, um, which essentially documents this experience with the ironic twist that is just unique to you being a religious historian the majority of your career's work was in researching and documenting and writing a book about the prosperity gospel which yes. explains that basically if you if your faith is the right kind of faith and packaged in the right kind of way you will be blessed with wealth and health. And if you run into some sort of an illness, then obviously you just need to reshape or resize your faith um, or be louder with your voice and you, it will be righted. Yeah, absolutely. And it is always the strange and terrible irony of empowerment messages Mm -hmm. is the very thing that gives people agency and, that get up and go of like, oh, well, it looks like I can better my life with the right kind of faith. It looks like with the right kind of self-help message and the right kind of um, get up and go that I, I, insert name here, <laughs> can overcome all obstacles in my life. And I, I, I'm like a, I'm a good historian. Like it's kind of my thing. I'm like a good one. Yeah. I interview lots of people. I like interviewing. I visited, you know, most of the, a quarter of all American mega churches, which is churches over 2000. I have, you know, every time there, there was like a, a, like a river running through a sanctuary at one point, I have been struck in the face with multiple giant, you know, Holy Spirit style flags at the back. I, I didn't see the, I mean, I've been in churches where there's um, huge aquariums on, where on the top it says things like, um, behold, I will make you fishers of men. I uh, Fishers of men? It sounds like we're hunting men. <laughs> well, Jesus, depends how you think God Depend, yeah. to find you. Um, but I was really, you know, an expert in the shiniest version of God is in the, in the business of really making you happy right. and that you can have your best life now. And um, to be to be an expert in that, and also just to be um, suffering in America, hmm. means that you are absolutely surrounded by the kind of um, the the tyranny of people always saying that um, that we ought to, with just enough effort, be able to save ourselves. Right. Well, first of all, I have follow up questions, but I didn't. What's my score? 
Oh, you did great. Yes. Oh, no, like and, no, like score. Me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. A, and it was on a curve too. Wow. So. Okay. So like an A plus. You did get an A plus. Yeah. It sounds like you're kissing up a little bit, but okay. I fine. feel like I am actually known as a really mean grader. So awesome. I just want you to know that I'm. That right. was it. Was well earned. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, that makes me feel uh, good and helps boost my self esteem. You wrote that first book. And, you know, now you have your next book, right, which is No Cure for Being Human. Um, you know, basically, after the slide, right, yeah. the brakes were put on, um, not that you were cured, but that you were able to find stability. Yeah, um, that's right. And some security. <sighs> And then this book is about yeah. how to move forward with this. How do, yeah. How do we live now? And I mean, I I think we both uh, will know the feeling of like living in the heightened present for too long. Yes. The exhaustion of that and the, you know, and it's, it's the feel, it's like the feeling of precarity, just that, you know, anything lovely can, you know, come down with a gust of wind. And I think sometimes people like to visit there, like they want to be like a tourist to that place for a hot second if it, if it makes them feel like they really, I mean, the, the profound thing always, of course, of a crisis is that it's so clarifying for good or for bad. Like right. it, it's like a spotlight on all the things we love or maybe shouldn't love or need to let go or, you know. Yeah. Or dear God, et cetera, et cetera. But it is so hard to live there. And it's so it's just especially with our cultures and it, our culture's really intense self-help messages, which tries to tell us that like even no matter what you're going through, that there are formulas for how to do this. And so I thought as you know, a historian of these kinds of cultural scripts around suffering, mm -hmm. that it would really be worth digging into these different kinds of cultural formulas and looking at the wisdom and also at the sort of hysterical pitfalls of a message like um, bucket lists. Can we? I'm very curious too, Allison. It sounds like you started in that, um, like it sounds like it's you started with, well, the very first thing I need to do in order to live here is I need to put fear in 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 right relationship. It sounds like you pursued a lot of conversations that helped you try to figure out like how much you're supposed to run directly at the problem or yeah. I'd love to it sounds like you're kind of like like managing that I always it, for me it always feels like fifth gear. Like you're like, all right. And then you buck up and you try to. I'm very manage. good at bucking. I am a, <laughs> I am a really, uh, very good at bucking up. I'm very good at uh, going to 11. Uh, yeah. I'm very good at, there are four gears, but I will find a fifth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. What's really difficult for me is acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, the, basically the, the fight is in me. Yes. Um, it that's my default is to fight. I wouldn't. I would say when I was younger, rage against. But as I had to temper that because of I I had to be in a professional environment. <laughs> I tempered that from you know raging against to fighting against. And um, what is more difficult for me is the flow. 
right. is the sitting in the feelings, not yeah. running away from, um, is getting quiet mm-hmm. and finding myself in a place of meditation um, or prayer or whatever you want to call it. You know, that fight is what makes me me. Um, but what I've had to learn, especially in the last, call it year or so, is that there is a time and a place for it. And if I fight against everything because I don't want to accept, um, I'm going to, one, burn a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. But then, two, as you talk about, there has got to be a point at which I accept what is you know, and mm-hmm. recognize that just as you talk about in your first book, that there are things in life that we cannot change. Yeah. That yeah. we can't pray away, mm-hmm. that will not get fixed by us. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for someone like me. Yeah. Who. I see it. Yeah. I'm built to I'm built to find the back doors. Totally. I'm built to, I'm built to be like, mm, go yeah, ahead, take me the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me I can't do it. <laughs> Just you wait. Just give me enough time. I will yeah. figure it out. Yes. Um totally. And you know, so it's it's a and fear is such a good friend like that. I mean, fear and fight, right? As part yeah. of the same impulse is such a good friend to a patient. Yes. I mean, the ability to read doctor's expressions, the ability to anticipate drug combos and try to figure out your way around, okay, I can't feel my feet anymore. People really want me, at least I'll say us, because I'll venture a guess to, you know, move quickly into, uh, you know, something called acceptance. But I, I have really, I have always been sort of existentially confused about the category of being a patient like as a patient by one definition it is the word like to endure and and some of it is that some really badass painful staying still mm-hmm. in the midst of things that would make other people um give up mm-hmm. on the other hand so much of being a patient too just seems like agency just active get out there and uh you know, tear down walls kinds of, um, at least in my care, I, I have almost died so many times and gotten, I mean, in many cases, really, really, um, really, really bad care where you just, Mm -hmm. there's nobody in the watchtower and you're just in the process of trying to save your own life. And in moments like that, like, thank God for fear. I mean, truly for that, like, for the, for the don't quit of, because I think to me, part of what fear is trying to tell me is, I mean, two, two things. One is it really shows me what I love. Mm. It re- like, I know exactly what I love when I'm afraid mm. because I cannot even imagine living without it. And the thought is so unbearable that I, that I know I, it's that I know exactly um, where my compass is set. And on the other hand, fear has been um, a, a place of like one of my only boundaries. Like when I, I mean, I, there's something about death that makes you feel really disposable. Hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. it could have been someone else, but it was me. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not for me part of like a, just like a why me kind of existential, which is of course always not a terrible question, but like, but having to go through the process, like when, when you wake up out of surgery and you're everything about, you know, all of your skin feels like paper and the drugs make you feel miserable. And it's moments like that when I do feel like a lot of, um, of nothingness. Like I wanted to believe that I was special and that maybe I'm not special at all. Totally. That is terrible. That is. Well, th- and I I can feel that. I thought I was meant for something. Yeah. I thought I was going to live a long life. I pictured my life like this. I pictured my yeah. accomplishments like this and my career and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> you know. I think that's part of where the podcast came from was because I was like, Rabbi Steve Leader um, likes to say, you know, well, don't come out of hell empty handed, mm. you know, and I hold mm. on to that because I'm like, mm. well, nice. if this is the situation, that's nice, right? If this is the situation, I'm not mm-hmm. coming out empty handed. I'm going to, nice. I'm going to help as many people as I can possibly help. I'm going to get the word out about everything that we're talking about to as many people as possible. I'm going to hound Kate Bowler down until Katie Couric sends her a text um, or sends her, her team a text. And then all of a sudden that night I get an email that says, Allison, Kate is ready and would love to. And I was like, you know, um, that's now I'm taking that, that fire Right. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make the most of this and I'm going to have the biggest impact I could possibly have and help as many people as I can possibly help. And it's going to keep me (laughs) a healthy distance away from my reality. I think I read somewhere that you said, you know, that sometimes it feels like you're describing you're describing the characters, a character in a movie, in an exciting movie. And, and then you realize, oh, I'm not telling the story of like a movie, like that's my life and I'm mm-hmm. the main character, right? Because it's surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned that at least for me, the podcast, even though I'm talking about grief and trauma and death and dying, it. It, it, I still feel like it's, yeah, an arm's length away, right? I, 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 there just has to be some kind of. I mean, there are some surreal things that have been lovely, that I have absolutely no language for, like being in the hospital, and somehow feeling like I was really loved like really weirdly loved and not nearly as petty as I normally am and not quite as. So like the best version, of- the best version of yourself. <laughs> I mean, someone I've never been. So is that even You're really self- the best version of myself? <laughs> Your aspirational self-actualized <laughs> yeah, self. It was someone pretty great there for a second that definitely didn't have my qualities. And, uh, and that, um, and that has been my most, intense feeling of love and feeling close to the presence of God. And that was very weird and lasted for a couple months. And then I could really tell when it was over because I was a sanctimonious piece of shit again. And um, 
And then that was back. But uh, so that's a, a surreal thing that I found I had almost no language for. But, you know, and then there are also surreal things like um, like scan reveal news or thinking about horizons or trying to make plans for life after you that feel genuinely not possible. Like they, they yes. I, I know that I'm saying it, but it doesn't actually go anywhere yep. that makes any sense to me. Yeah. I have written, uh, you know, not only just advanced care stuff, but I have documented now like what I want to happen after I'm gone and down to like the, I'm going to create a playlist. It's going to be playlist number two, not playlist number one. Number one is for like in my final moments and yeah. number three will be for like right after, um, you know, but I've, I've documented things and it feels like I'm, it's not me. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, Oh, here's how I would, here's how I would want it to, to look like, here's what I would want those final that those those final minutes those final hours here's who I'd want to be around and you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not it's like I'm telling the story of yeah that's me. right what a great screenwriter you are that Thank other you. person must <laughs> be kind of a very curated set of decisions because I mean who could have made up our stories right <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah cry laughing cry laughing it is my friend my friend always calls it uh, our high low high low voices <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one yeah high low is how we um but it's it is it is absolutely the strange um I think that's why at least it helps. Well, my my prayer is just trying to get my brain around that. It's mm. just like, God, just please help me to see things as they really are. And that right. I want to be true of God, let me see injustice where I am too blind to see it. Or, um, or God, like, help me see the beauty and the love that is already present in my life. And I'm just happened to be thinking that if I just get to zero inbox, that somehow my life will be mm. better, quantifiably better. Quantifiably. And I mean, there's so many, um, I've read every master your mindset business self-help book that would have already convinced me that infinity is somewhere at the bottom of my inbox. But I am, um, trying to figure out how to live with the things we cannot change seems really complicated, like complicated, painful, beautiful work. That was uh, something I wrote down that I want to say, you know, I, I think the words you used were like, how to find a beautiful life within the, the restrictions or restraints or within our new limitations, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like and with, I mean, like, so, because sometimes instead of death and dying, I just think of it in terms of, um, man, couldn't, couldn't we just have like a little more language around finitude? Like, couldn't, couldn't our, couldn't our creatureliness be okay for a second? Unless any of us happen to know that mythical Walt Disney person who's going to live forever and then, if not, be cryogenically reanimated? Because I, I don't, I don't know them, but if yeah. so, they live in Aspen. I know you've got the, they definitely live in Aspen. Um, the, <laughs> um, the, the high, high low boys. Um, I just like to call it laugh crying. Can we go back a second to when we were talking about fear? Mm -hmm. um, I learned that or I was taught at some point 
that faith is the opposite of fear. Yeah. That if you are afraid, you do not have faith. Unfaithful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd love to get your thoughts on that, that notion of if you're afraid, then you're, you're either in fear or you're in faith. Right, right, right. right. Um, yes. Yeah. So that, that first, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. On. Well, and I mean, a part of that is just, I, you know, as a historian, I take a lot of comfort in historical, like the, the, the seedbed of historical ideas, like, for instance, that, that fear, part of why we've demonized fear, I guess, literally, and <laughs> is that, um, is that we've told ourselves a story that that to be faithful is to cultivate a certain kind of positive mindset. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that really comes out of late 19th century developing theories about the, the, the latent power of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's at the same time as the rise of the discipline of psychology, people are wondering about what the hidden spiritual and um, potentiality that we have locked inside. And so part of uh, the way that the American metaphysical tradition emerges. So like what we sometimes just think of as new age, but as a much wider range of spiritual beliefs we have, mm -hmm. always imagine that the biggest, hardest spiritual work we're supposed to do is with our minds. And that a part of what we're supposed to do is we have to settle on certain thoughts. They either have to be positive or neutral, mm -hmm. that anything that falls in that negative category is 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 part of the, the hard, important work you need to do. And in fact, then it's stillness or certain meditative practices or certain kinds of prayer or positive speech or certain kinds of just endless good vibes only t-shirts at Target <laughs> are going to get us into a certain place where we will no longer be whatever the opposite of that is, negative, fearful, anxious. And, and, and honestly, uh, part of this is just what happened after the 1970s and the explosion of our therapeutic culture that, mm -hmm. the, that you know you're doing it wrong mm -hmm. if you're scared. You know you're doing it wrong if you're anxious. And then we, you know, we have pathologized a mind that just has a wide range of thoughts, a wide range of emotions, different kinds of embodiment. Ah, oh, it drives me absolutely wild. And I, I think that part of um, expanding our vocabulary and even just our like aperture for tolerance for that is mm -hmm. in trying to figure out then, then what do we, is it really, is, is the opposite of thing of, of, of faith then that you know you're unfaithful if you're scared? And I, I find a bunch of great reasons why that can't possibly, at least the Christian tradition is the one I am, you know, most familiar with, which mm -hmm. is, and it's not a very deeply Christian uh, thought, you know, in part because we, we worship a God that gets murdered and on the cross is, is not um, benevolently Zen, is mm -hmm. um, weeps, like cries blood. And then, and then asks why he's been abandoned. I mean, and part of the story there is that we're, um, <laughs> we're, we're being reminded that part of what it just means to be in these stupid, wonderful, horrible bodies <laughs> is that we experience their brokenness and then we experience the brokenness of the world. And that like knowing that is knowing that, which makes us scared is, is part of, if seeing clearly 
our our possi- our, our our potentiality and our ins- and our wild limitations. And so I, I really fear is a part of all of these good things. It is a part of love. It is a part of faith when we know that we're not yet living in a world that is made right. I mean mm-hmm. that it, it's part of handling. Pardon my language. It's it's part of managing the fucked upness of our. Of we're our, already we're already in explicit tags. So, you know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it now. <laughs> of our planet, and so I, I mean, we talk about when they imagine that we can like sort of live in a good vibes only world where f- fear is a footnote. They're imagining. I mean, the, I love the theological term for this. They call it an overrealized eschatology, meaning it's oh, wait, view- overrealized eschatu eschatology like a story about the end Ah. in which they imagine that it is already good enough to be so that we can fix our own problems and guess what we obviously know that we can't we can't fix hurricanes we can't fix cancer we can't fix people leaving us i mean we can't fix suicide rails on buildings we can't we can't because pandemics we're not global plagues yes (laughs) there are helpful things people could do don't even get me started so but the the idea then that like you don't even need to be afraid because everything is already set up for you to win or succeed or have everything you wanted is just not true but simultaneously we are also told like okay and also and also moments what has this lovely line about about what love feels like and how it, it drives out fear. But we do have minutes, seconds sometimes, where just sheer love makes us stop being afraid for a second and mm-hmm. and be able to matrix style, you know how it mm-hmm. feels, where you just see mm-hmm. all the beauty of everything. Yeah. And so I am all for those gorgeous moments where everything feels whole, but I just uh, can't possibly say that faith is a solution to the problem of fear. I so appreciate you saying that because I was curious how you would respond. Um, you know, you're just such in a unique position because you are, you have your academic career and everything that you have thrown your entire self into for 20 plus years. Um, and then you have your experience as a patient, right? Um, and then as a as a Christian, right? Um, yeah. So I was curious. Um, how are you? Uh, you know, I mentioned that you're you're not you're not uh, you're not on a buttered slide. That's weird. That's a weird yeah. thing that I just, I've never ever said that before. <laughs> a buttered um, slide. A buttered yeah. slide. But I was just like, I you know, it. something yeah. where you're like, oh, I can't, oh, you know. It, kind it of- does go up and down. Um, yeah. I'm still kind of in that boom bust cycle of chronic cancer. And so sometimes it's worse than others. And sometimes it feels like I'm talking about somebody else's diagnosis. I I have always kind of thought of it like I'm living with a kind of narcoleptic murderer who just might wake up or might just sleep through the night. I, I'm curious if you battle this, but I have a difficult time, um, one, managing my existential anxiety yeah. when I get too close to yeah. my reality. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And I think if I am mm-hmm. in the present moment, is this the last time I'm going to do this? Mm. Is this the last time I'm going to travel here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I going to be here next Christmas? Am I going to be here this Christmas? This Christmas yeah. looks pretty good. But yeah. um, trying to find that balance between yes. this, I describe it as like the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland of just like, I'm late, I'm late, like this, this mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. it's the last time, like, basically, how do I find the balance between and I'd be yeah. curious if you have to manage it as well. But how do I find that balance between maximizing my moments, which is what No Time to Waste is all about, Mm -hmm. um, while also kind of (sighs) sitting with it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And and accepting, like. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And I, even when you're describing that, hon, like, I know that panic, that panic is so, I just want to crawl out of my own skin. Yeah, and I, those moments are really hard. Like those, those moments are really real. The panic of, a feeling like there's this, there's this one free solo experience you have to do, and you don't get to, um, and then insert all the words, right? Um, control, decide, and I, I find myself tiring myself out with the skipping back and forth between horizons. I think part of it is just um, I try not to be I try not to be around too many variables that are just not safe for people in pain, like the casualness with which some people are because they've had lucky lives. Yeah, sloppy, sloppy with sloppy with my diagnosis, sloppy with my pain, slop just un um, uncaring you know, and, and just yeah. they just even they're just random. Bless them random thoughts where they want to suddenly talk about their retirement plans or, right. you know, and I'm so happy, so happy for you, Linda. You know, you just like whispering, I'm so happy for you. Karen, um, Karen, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about your multi-level marketing scheme and how I could really benefit from sun damage uh, face cream. You know, yes, 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 for yes, those yes, yes. wrinkles I'm going to have That's 10 right. years from now. Yes, when I'm finally my own boss oh. at, uh, at 80. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I, I, I can handle it some days and other days it's full cancer rules. Sometimes I can only have a surreal experience to kick myself out of it. So mm-hmm. I had a really brutal week and um, I've just been having a really very difficult month of Mm. health stuff and nothing is going very well. And um, so I also, there was just a random thing where I was bit by a copperhead snake and I was watching. Oh my God. I forgot to talk about the snake. Oh, it was. uh, I literally looked at your post and I was like, get out of here. And I like threw my phone across the room and was like, I can't. I couldn't stop laughing because it was, of course, the, of course it was me. Yeah, listeners, Kate mm -hmm. got bit by a copperhead snake last week. Being a delightful person who let an old man and his dog walk on a path. And so I stepped one step back onto mowed grass a block and a half from my house. It was near a very small trickle of water, but people are like, oh, the stream the stream. How dare you walk there? And and then and then all the questions you get. Yes, I was wearing runners. Yes, I was. So I just stepped one step backward off path. I left the old man by. I was listening to my 
friend talk about an important problem on the phone. I didn't even look down when I felt something really painful because I thought, ah, fire ants. I don't know. Right. Pain is pain. And I was just really into the, and then I started hobbling and then I looked down and I was like, Hmm. And then I went to my house and took out the makeup mirror and saw two fang prongs. And then I was like, I think I don't know the protocol for this. So I, um, I went to the hospital and turns out uh, they have like a whole envenomation process where they pump about $100,000 of anti-venom into you as they, they, as they mark your leg with Sharpie as it tracks its way all the way up. And I could not stop laughing because I had been in that ER so many times for life or death cancer issues. And in this case, they started it with, you won't die. And then I, all of a sudden, I just felt a lot better. I So I turned to the suite. You know, there's always just one baby face resident. And um, I was like, hey. And also I was on drugs. So I was like, hey. 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 So I, it's, I've had stage four cancer and I just I spent a lot of time here and... It's kind of nice to be here for another reason. <laughs> so, anyway, like, could you hook me up with some ginger ale and some saltines? Because I know you got it. Um, so what I did, and I, I think you would do the exact same thing, was I was like, I just feel really interested in the question of fear right now. <laughs> oh, I would totally be like, let's talk about what happens after we die. Like, what is this all about? Like that's, I, I mean, I, I would get into it for sure. I would try to get into it with the nurses. Oh, I spent all night hanging out with my nurse friend and my new resident friend. And they both had really intense life or death things that they had been dealing with. Right. What they've learned from having this widened ability to see both pain and beauty at the same time. And yeah, I, you're like, I was like, these it. are, these are my people. Yeah. I got it. All good. I want to be respectful of your time because we're now three minutes over. Um, and I have one more question to ask. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so I mentioned this before that I wanted to talk about it. But so hope. Um, I have a tough time now because I feel like I've been let down by expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, when scans come every three months. Um even if I say I'm 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 not I'm not planning on it for to be good news, I'm lying. And in of the back course, of my head, yeah. I'm like, no, this is when things turn around, and like, yeah. you know, in the hero's journey, like, w- like this is this is when it gets better and things stabilize. And um, and I've just been disappointed so many times that like yeah. hope is just so hard yes. for me yes. to feel. I can say it, yeah, but for me to feel hopeful, yeah. It's so hard for me to access right now. Yeah, totally. And, um, and 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 done in the wrong way. I mean, when people are put their hopes on us for certain things, it does feel like a kind of poison that has to be carefully administered. It's to me it's it's about where you drop your anchor. And I think that I've been I can't only have my anchor in the present, and I mm. certainly can't have it in the past because I can't go back. Mm. But that's somewhere in the future that there is a story about love and that there is a story about um, a, that that is a story about God and humanity and me in which I get to be pulled into a future which will someday have no tears. And in the meantime, I'm going to need a little bit more detail than that <laughs> to keep having lovely, beautiful things that are still ahead, always ahead, 
So, so it's never just, um, it can't just be saltines and ginger ale. It has to always be and tomorrow and next week. And then, and then right until the moment of, of limited horizon, I'm going to always need to feel like the future is still somehow beautifully a story about me. Thank you. There's so much, so much more I want to talk about. Um, but for today, um, we will, we will close this part of the conversation. Um, I would love to have you back for a part two, um, because I believe that you are in a position more so than me <laughs> to, to be able to bring the conversations about, about death and dying and what happens after, like bringing these conversations into the light so that we can help ease the suffering of those that are trapped in solitude, right? And, and, and traveling that path alone, unable to talk about it because they don't, they don't want to be told that they're being too morbid, right? Or too sad. And, um, I would love to get into that with you next time. Um, only if you can stay away from snakes. Yeah, I promise nothing. I went right back to snake alley basically the day after and I was there this morning. So (laughs) that is, that is how it will happen to me. Um, but look on, I, uh, I know that, um, the ability to run straight toward things doesn't always feel like a place you can stay forever, but, but please don't do it for those of us who, who need to borrow the courage of others. Yours is, it really is a gift. So I know it's also, it's also a heavy thing to carry, but your courage is really lovely to behold. Okay. So if you really want to maximize your moments, you could pitch in and help us get the word out. Just rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's it. Oh, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss future episodes and bonus content. For more motivation, head to notimetowasteproject.com or join the squad on Instagram at notimetowasteproject. Grazie mille.